Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of asking the question of is one the loneliest number? That you'll ever know. It's even worse than two. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I still Uh, wanted to do the seven, eight, nine joke, but... uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about universal game systems. Uh, and and should there be any? And is there any? So we actually have three questions uh, to start off with. So the very first question um, I'm going to ask Jonathan is, isn't a universal game system the ultimate in gatekeeping? As it would define gatekeeping in this sense. As in, you don't get to play unless you play my system. Oh. Huh. I mean, I wouldn't see it that way. I, I would see it more as an attempt to... to Because for, for me, I've actually been personally, like cobbling together my own little universal generic role-playing game system for me it's not about gatekeeping it's about i just want to have one system to learn so i don't have to learn any others but even then going into that i know there's some settings that my system probably won't work that great for (laughs) okay well yeah you, you totally tried to dodge that question, and shame on you. Okay? I'm going to pass it back to Trav. Trav! He says, I'm going to ask the same question, okay? Maybe you can give a better answer. You know, is a universal ga- uh, role-playing system the ultimate in gatekeeping? I would think that using a universal system would just be making it where everyone's on the same page. Everybody has, you know, the, 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 what's the term I'm looking a level playing field. Everybody is using the same rules to get the story told. Yeah, but aren't you always using the same rules whenever you play a game? Well, let, let's say you want to do something wildly radical. Well, I don't know, for my games, not necessarily it wouldn't be, but let's say you want to have people from different genres and different times and, oh, I want a wizard, a cyborg a 1920s gangster and a mutant superhero. Well, if you have a universal system, you can at least do that. Everybody may not be on the same power level, obviously, but everybody has this access to all the same rules and concepts where they can do that all in the same game. I don't think it's gatekeeping because gate we know gatekeeping has, you know, just really gotten a bad connotation probably like the past 10 years. Right. I'm just thinking it, it's a matter of uniformity for everybody across the board. Well, I mean, gatekeeping says, hey, you know, don't don't play, don't try to change this system other, you know, and because it's perfect. Okay, and B, don't play some other system because, you know, every other system is going to be inferior to this one because it's universal. Can you, you know, all right, so... Can you have more than one universal role-playing system? Okay, I think I see what you're saying now. With when you're you're using a slightly different definition of universal system than I am in my head. Um, if you're talking about one, the one system that rules them all. Yeah, we're asking if it's possible. So we, there's got to be the Uber one to rule them all, right? Or not? I don't think there can be. I think it's near impossible ah okay don't jump ahead of us here okay <laughs> the ultimate role-playing system would be able to handle every possible situation that might come up in a game 
you know, and it would, you know, so if you if you needed, you know, if you had people who got hit with radiation and given superpowers, then you'd be able to take their superpowers and and be able to define them, you know, using a a metric that allowed them to easily be compared to somebody who had magic or like they were in a mech or you know just somebody just use you know like can you, you know how can you really compare the you know a, a, a grenade to uh, you know a um, uh, fire strike you know uh, some magical yeah. spell that explodes I think it's I mean theoretically possible yes I think it's the, it's a matter of practicality but well i mean it's it's always possible to do that whenever you're dealing with something entirely imaginary like magic okay because you're saying yeah that fireball is just like you know a mortar round or it's just like a uh, you know a law missile except there's no shrapnel the, you know, the 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 big difference you know so i mean you can say that because nothing you know, there's nothing in the in the game that basically says no, 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 you can't. I le- until you get down to the point where you're saying, here's the damage. We're now applying it to a person. Is is the same effect happening? Okay, so in a, in a in a universal game system, the answer to that question would be yes. It's exactly the same. It affects the world exactly the same. Therefore, it is the the system is rendering reality you know, with big air quotes here, okay, or para a reality if you prefer that, okay. You know, equivalently, so that you always know, you know how you know. You can look at one thing and always be able to compare it to something else without without having to go through a lot of hoops and and jumps and things like that, right? Is isn't that the idea? Yeah, I mean, yeah, to yeah. to to not have to to dig through countless different you know chapters or, or or books or anything to try and find the rules you need. I I think again, yeah, theoretically, yeah, you right. can do that. This is what they refer to as a unified game system. Okay, now, you know, back in 1970, there was a universal game system because it was the only one that existed, right? You know, until like a week later and Tunnels and Trolls came out. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you, you can, we, can, we can do some hand-waving and forget about Dave Arneson. You know, I'm just saying is that it, there was the system, okay, it was... And it was for Dungeons and Dragons. It was for epic fantasy role playing. Okay, and uh, but the problem with that system, even though it was universal in the sense that no, there wasn't any other system, is the fact that it was a hodgepodge of mechanics. Yeah. Okay, I mean, every time that they decided to do something new, they would create a new table. Or a new whatever to it. Okay, so and uh, as an example, the way you handle uh, uh, banishing or turning undead is completely different than the way you handle combat. And it wasn't, and it was that way until they came out with third edition in D anD D, where all of a sudden you had to make a roll that was basically a spell check. Like all your other spell checks, you know that you had to make a, a ranged attacks. Okay, so you know early systems were a huge hodgepodge. Okay, the Tritech system was that way, and it was purpo- it purported itself to be a universal system because it was the same system that was used for Fringeworthy, which is interdimensional and theoretically crossing every possible reality. Uh, Bureau Thirteen, which is Urban fantasy, okay, and uh, and it, it had God statted out in its list of encounters, and uh, you know, but it also had cultists. It also had little green men from outer space, and then FTL twenty four forty eight, you know, which was you know the space game, you know, and they had rules for AI, and they had which came out actually a little later, but the original rules, which was you know character generation. Um, combat um, stuff, piloting starships between stars. Okay, you know, 
theoretically, you know, these, you know, these, they were, I know they were the same system because, you know, I, I looked at them. Okay. They were all using, you know, that, and they all had clutches. I mean, other, just like D&D, they all had other things that were put in. So, for example, the, the magic system that was in uh, Bureau 13, uh, A, wasn't in Fringeworthy, and it wasn't in FTL. Uh, so it kind of stood alone, you know, and it didn't really follow the same rules as other types of tasks. Uh, and then the uh, uh, psionics, Psionics went from, uh, okay, uh, you have psionics in Fringeworthy, roll a d6. From that, that list of six psionic powers, you get to, you know, you get to do uh, whatever it says is the power, which in the case of like tele, uh, telekinesis, it was like lift 30 pounds, or it was lift five pounds per skill level, whatever you had, okay? And, um, and, and, and there was, you know, and if there was any to hit, they were they went back to the original stats, and they would say, "Okay, what's your either your throw or your shooting or what you know accuracy or whatever like that was concerned." Uh, then, in when they came out with the uh, 1992 edition, then it was exactly like it was in. They basically cribbed the entire uh, uh, psionic section that was in uh, Bureau 13. And put it into Fringeworthy, and, uh, and and magic was basically the same as the psionics, as way the the mechanics for it, except a few little things. For example, psionics don't have any material components, and they don't have any gestures, you know, and you don't have a familiar. So I mean, <laughs> this this is where it's beginning to fall apart, you know, <laughs> the idea of universal because. Uh, you know, they, they, you have things in one version of the universal system that aren't in another. And then you get all the way up to uh, FTL, where you've got races that have godlike powers, and they don't explain them at all. They just simply say, say the GM will tell you what you can do. Yeah, Crowvin and Fritzians. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. You know, he says, you know... Uh. He says, I may, I may look like a man-sized uh, chess piece, but I'm actually a god. Yeah. All right, but they're not the only one. Okay, so you've got things like, uh, and this is where I'm going to go back to you, Trap. Okay, you know, you've got the uh, Palladian rule system, but you also have Rifts, which is kind of like the super version of the Palladian rule system, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they started out. It started out as a fantasy system, the the Palladian fantasy role playing game. Then I believe they did the Mechanoids, which was far future space where you're fighting giant, insane cyborgs. And basically, you add some psionics, you add a little bit of magic, you add tech, and just, yeah. And then I think they spread out to, like, Heroes Unlimited, and, you know, Kevin started doing different genres of games. Rifts was just basically throwing all that stuff together in a high kinetic environment post-apocalyptic superhero side tech magic um yeah just riffs was just the melting pot for everything he did before and universal yeah i see when you were talking about universal i i that jonathan did say something about it was there there was a different meaning universal i believe your meaning is okay you just roll a certain metric to cover any situation, whether you're turning undead, piloting a ship, shooting a gun, punching somebody in the jaw, or knitting a sweater. You Universal for me is where you can play in any setting, genre, background. Yeah, so that that that's kind of, I think, what threw me and Jonathan off with that original question you said about Okay, but I don't see how yeah. what I said precludes what you're saying. Well, I'm just saying the way you said it and then the way you explained it, okay, that kind of threw me and him off. I'm okay, sure. be because, because if, yeah, if, if yeah. you have a metric that works in all situations, it also works in all games. And therefore, yeah. you know, I, I don't... I don't yeah, that you were going for a level of specificity that we weren't expecting. Ah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyways, all right, so... Um, 
But back to you, Trav. I mean, uh, how was Riffs different than um, than Palladian? Once it became the full blown Palladian role playing system, I think it's more just because it was the setting. Yeah, you could play fantasy there. You had the a lot of the fantasy races from the Palladium fantasy role-playing game were available in Rifts. Elves, dwarves, humans, orcs. Not gnomes. They didn't bring the gnomes over. Uh, but yeah, you it was a melting pot of all the genres. You could play post-apocalyptic, high-tech, superhero, mutant animals. You could do all the stuff you did in all the other games, and Kevin made a setting in which they all kind of fit until the, the arms race. Now, what I mean by the arms race was, okay, every time somebody came out with a new setting book, which Rifts has like about 60 different setting books for parts of Rifts Earth, other dimensions, concepts, groups, every author kept making the weapons and stuff more and more powerful. And finally, the community just said, stop it. You have a weapon that it's just like the one in the original book, but it does six times the damage. And it's not, you know, like, oh, well, this is due to this. No, it's just they, everybody wanted to make their book, whatever it was, the biggest, baddest. So, yeah, that was where, to me, the universal system started falling apart because everybody was not saying on the same page anymore. I think universal systems, they, st- it, it, it's, you know, I don't think it's so much the absolute power corrupts absolutely, but it's more along the lines of kind of too many cooks spoil the soup. If one guy makes a system, it's universal, fine. But when you start bringing in all these other designers wanting to add to it, they're going to put their own things in, and all of a sudden you get stuff like the infamous Palladium Arms Race. Uh, okay. And just, yeah, yeah. It just, uh, all right, I, right. I, well, I you know, it. again, yeah. we're, we're, we're talking about whether we think it's possible. You're basically saying it's impossible because, you know, we have met the enemy and they is us, as in game designers. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. No universal system is possible because someone's always going to want to have their version of it that's not going to be compatible with everybody else's version of it. Yeah. I mean, we try our best. Yeah, I mean, as I said, the three, before we started, the three of us could name off about five or six different ones that we know have been around the past 40 years. Well, let's talk about one that really, really tried, okay, and, you know, uh, besides Palladium, to, and, and we know they tried because there's like 150 setting books for it, and that is GURPS. Yep, yep Steve yep. Jackson Games, yep. Okay, so they had a pretty simple metric, you know, I thought, for running the game, and uh, how did they get all those book, all those different setting books to fit in? Was it literally they were just dovetailing them, or did each one of them have more mechanics that they added in as necessary? I think they had to add stuff because GURPS, yeah, you could play, you know, that generic universal role-playing system, folks. It's It's not rocket science, you know, just... The name sounds funny, but they they did. Problem is, with each setting, you do have to create new rules, new feats, new advantages. Because I remember I dabbled with GURP supers, and yeah, it was all. But was there any effort to, you know, actually make them, you know, sync up with all the feats and advantages in all the other books? Because supposedly these are all official products. Of, of Steve Jackson games, therefore they should have at least gotten, you know, a, a the blessing of some master, you know, game designer in chief saying, yeah, that works like that. And it's actually works the same way, you know, as far as the power levels and the results of whatever it is that you're doing. I'd say they I... tried, but I think the biggest, now this is purely from memory. Uh, I'd have to take another deep, dive into it to take a, 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 a better look but to my memory usually the only other like rules they would try to make sure they fit in were the ones that they expected people to use like if they did a um like the one i remember one of the the setting books i actually bought was based on the uh, video game alpha centauri so it was the alpha i think centauri, i remember that yeah yeah setting for gurps and the only rules i particularly remember them even addressing were like you know 
sci-fi rule sets. Um, I think psionics because in the game you could unlock psionics. You know, so I think they tried to make it fit with those rule sets, but there was no looking to see if like magic because <laughs> they didn't expect you to use magic in the Alpha Centauri setting. So they wouldn't even try and make sure it fit with magic or oh, know, horror okay, yeah. or things like that. And that to me. That- All right. So you're saying that there were supplements that came out that were official GURP supplements and they didn't try to in any way integrate you know, some of the uh, mechanics of other supplements into themselves. With all the mechanics, they, they, the, all the other supplements, they were just, you know, focus on the supplements they expected to be used with this set. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Steve Jackson, I'm very disappointed in you. All right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You can't hide behind the FBI stealing all your computers for the, forever. You oh, know? <laughs> okay. See, I wasn't going to. Yeah, I I was trying to find a way to sneak that in. Well played, sir. Yeah. All right. So you basically, Jonathan, you you, you kind of sussed out the the biggest issue here. Okay, about a universal system, and that is that when they first came out with role playing games, nobody was trying to create a universal system. They were just simply trying to create a, a system that supported whatever game it was they were trying to run. They yeah. were making the system fit their setting, yeah. Right, yeah. and and if you you know, and because of things like copyright laws and intellectual property, and people who you know get, lawyer up every time someone says says, oh, you know, there's an orc attacking this group of settlers, um, you know, people actually created a whole lot of different rule systems that were vastly divergent from each other. Uh, simply to make sure that that nobody messed with their uh, that you know th- they could claim their IP as their own, which is a totally terrible way of ever coming up with a universal system, because you can't leverage anything that anybody else has done. Even the ideas become suspect because of that, uh, and so only the most successful companies have the. Uh, you know, have have the clout. not clout, have the resources to actually ah, tr- try to develop something like that. You know, and um, and and TSR definitely didn't do it because the rules in Gamma World are not, you know, especially the early editions are not really that close to D and D. No, they're not. No, Boot Hill, Top Secret, all those games had different mechanics different uh a bit uh stats yeah 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 now what they had in common was all universal systems uh except one that will come to me um they all had things in common for example they all had stats so the stats weren't the same from system to system but they all had some kind of physical mental um uh way of representing your ability to, to your general ability to do things you know so you had strength dexterity uh, uh, which might be split into dexterity and agility you had you know health and uh, you know which usually was the same as constitution okay you had charisma which sometimes was split into charisma and uh, comeliness or mental affinity and physical beauty for palladium. Yeah, they they had those two different stats. Yeah, Tritag had accuracy. Okay, which was another stat. Okay, and we're not even talking about the meta stat. You know, the metaphysical stats like you know uh, power or magic. You know, magic coordination or sci- uh, psionic strength. You know, they all had different names for it, but basically, you had to set of stats, and then you built out from that. Either you derived other stats from that, which Tritech was 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 reviled for by most uh, reviewers. And hero hero system did it too because you had your strength deck on body. That yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, they, no, they weren't alone. They were just like one of the first, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh no, I as I said, I I cut my teeth with the old gaming group on Hero System, the first 
four editions of champions. So it's like, yeah, derived statistics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're not even talking about hero. Okay, you know, which, you know, which still had stats. <laughs> okay, and then... Um, uh, and, you know, and then a lot of them, basically, that was it. Everything was, you know, you had, based upon those stats, you just basically said, okay, these are the things you can do. Uh, you know, especially if you were a class-based system like D&D was, okay? It says, here's your abilities, and here's a chart that represents how your abilities are in comparison to people who have other occupations. So the mage, of course, sucked at hand-to-hand -hand fighting. Okay, uh, you know, and, and the fighter was the, the primo one. But, you know, to be fair, the, the fighter sucked even more at magic because he couldn't do it at all. Generally speaking, there, there was very little, you know, you know like I said, that, that metric, that, that, that system that basically said, okay, you know, uh, a, a fighter's ability to hit do damage should be equivalent to a mage's ability to do damage on a level-by-level -level basis, you know, if you're going to do things like that. But that wasn't how they originally started. They eventually got there with, uh, frankly, frankly 5.0. 5e is when they finally got there because they tried to get there with 3.0, because they were saying, okay, we're going to you know we're going to bring everything into using the D twenty roll plus bonuses, you know, and you everything everything's roll high, okay, and then there's target numbers, you know, and and everything kind of uses the same concept, you know. So they tried really hard to come up with a universal system that they could then use on all kinds all the games that they produced. All right, so that that and, and that was that never happened under TSR. That happened under Wizards of the Coast, and I'm not going to talk about Fourth Edition. Uh, it, I'd just say that in a way they they says perfected it because in Fifth Edition, basically everybody uses cantrips to do all most of their damage unless they're hitting something with a sword or a, a club or something like that. And then they have the the big damage items, just like they did in you know. In, in first edition D&D &D because nobody could cast fireballs all day. But when he came down to just your general every day, you got the people shooting bows, you got the people casting cantrip spells, you know, the, like fire shot, you know, and um, you got the people that are swinging swords, you know, and they all had kind of equivalent levels of power. So I would say kudos to to D and D five uh, 5.0 for actually finally getting at least the damage, you know, from person to person be pretty much equivalent, or at least if one's higher than the other, you know why. I wouldn't say it's it's perfect, but it's definitely a a, a much better version than was. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think we've established that already that you can't be perfect. Yeah, but yeah, it's definitely a step. M much much better yeah a, a lot of systems have tried to go toward those unified mechanics because they want to be able to say that they want to be able to say hey you can now use my system for any game you want to develop right yeah yeah d20 was the that was the whole point of d20 right yeah, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody else make the games and just you know bring more attention to our system. You got like five, three. You got like five hundred PDFs of all these different supplements and and, and other versions of the uh, and games that came out for D twenty because they 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 had the uh, you know the the, the license the, the so called free license. Yeah, we're we're recording. Yeah, folks, just state of reference here. We're recording this about a week or so after. Um, Hasbro said, okay, we're not going to change anything. All right, sorry. We didn't mean to... I'm still waiting to see if that's true. Arouse the sleeping beast. No, it's funny. Because of that, they said every... It, it pretty much they figured out every other role-playing company reported increases in sales because of this little kerfluffle that, you know, over the course of this past month. I mean, there's a lot of people that produce products for this, and they, and they were basically being told that, oh yeah, everything that you ever done belongs to to to, to Hasbro now, and we're like, you know, screw you, no way. Yeah. I thought that and, whole thing and, was funny because you know the OGL allowed them to effectively corner the market, not a hundred percent, but they 
they pretty much did corner the market on fantasy role-playing especially. And then they say, we're going to take away the thing that let us corner the market. Why, are we, why aren't we cornered the market anymore? I don't understand. Why is everybody yeah. going to the world? No, it was funny. I, I went to Paizo's site last week, like Friday, and just uh, you go to the store page, big red banner. Due to our amazing gaming community, Pathfinder Core rule books are out of stock. We expect more printed copies in by April. Please enjoy our other fine product. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, you done stepped in it. Yeah, it's like we thought this was going to last us seven months and it lasted us three weeks. Yeah. And um, oh no, we got now because of this, not only, you know, I think 5.1 SRD is now under a Creative Commons license, like the same way that uh, it's a fair use license uh, to put into reference for me. It is the same license by which comedy, independent comedy music is made, parodies and whatnot. So I'm, I, I saw that ad. I'm like, Creative Commons. Oh, I know that. Most of my friends do their music by that. You know. So, and then of course we have the Open RPG Creative License by Paizo and about, oh God, what was the number I told Jeff to write? Fifteen hundred other publishers were joining this, and they're still going through with it, in case, heaven forbid, like, like Bruce, you said. It's lasting for now. Well, Paizo is now putting their eggs in that basket, and they've got everybody from, you know, people putting out games out of their home offices, like Rich did, to Chaosium, who's been around almost as long as TSR. So, yeah, this this whole thing, it, galvan it, it galvanized the tabletop role-playing community, I would say. Because it just made us re it made a lot of people realize who thought D and D was alone. It's like, oh no, no, there's a whole multiverse of gaming out there of any system, any system and setting you want. Yeah, it got me to sign up for the Facebook group. Play another game, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'll send me a link to that. I want to. Yeah, um, I'd be glad to. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's. Uh, it seems to be filled with people who basically, instead uh, instead of talking about what games to play, they're like, I'm creating my own role-playing game, and I don't know how to do this. Would someone give me like the entire metric that I need in order to do this properly so I don't have to do the work? Uh... Then you're not making your own system, yeah. Okay, never. You might want to hold off on that link then, if that's all there isn't. Yeah. No, um, it's not. It's not. There's lots of good stuff there, but I'm just saying is that that seems to be that seems to come up a lot. Where I just I just keep seeing these leading questions, like you know, uh, you know, what's the best way of doing this? You know, which is assuming, of course, that there's a it, it, the questions themselves seem to assume that there's a universal role playing system that we're all using. And, and and therefore the you know the the, the you know, we we should be able to just deliver this piece of revelation to the person who's asking the question you know and I'm always like you know well it all depends buddy <laughs> well the whole thing it, it's it's because these are the people that they took on one Thanos's reasoning when he grabbed the gauntlet out of the cabinet and my friend Tom Rockwell, and the acronym for his, basically his record label for independent comedy, Fight Him Interactive. Fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah. And just... Right. Yeah, now you're getting all these people, sadly, in this group where you're probably more just talking about what other games are out there besides the monolithic giant that is Dungeons & Dragons. No, they want yeah. to make their own. And they, it's you're you're saying now it's starting to creep in where it's just... Make your own role-playing game. Well, make your own group and do that. This is for this. It's like, we'll answer questions best we can, but we don't want to be bogged down with game creation so much. It's just we're enlightening each other to what else is out there. Yeah. If they actually came in and said it a certain way, I would be a lot happier. But, like, what is what – I want to do this kind of a game. I want to play this kind of game. What, in your mind, is one, you know, is, is one of the – are the best – games out there that do this that I would be happy playing. See, that's the kind of questions I want. Okay, I don't want to be a gatekeeper here, okay? But what we're getting is nobody does this right. <laughs> and then and then somebody and then, and you're waiting for people to say, well, GSR has that or TriTech has that or Palladian has that. What do you mean it doesn't exist? 
you know, so, and, and that's the kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, phallus waving that I just, you know, don't care about. Uh, and, and I, and I'm like going, you know, trolls must be, tro you know, must troll. So, uh, yes. Okay. But let's, let's get back to our, our, our more of our initial questions here, which is that, uh, I think one of the, uh, uh, one of the main reasons that there isn't a universal role-playing system outside of what we've already talked about is, is that when people create games, they have this, it's like a novel. You have this vision in your mind of this scene that you want to happen, okay? And you you basically kind of build out, for, you, you look around and say, does anybody do this exactly like this? No. Okay. So then I'm going to have to do changes. I'm either going to have to change that system to support what I'm trying to do, or uh, I'm going to have to create an entirely new system or, you know, something because they, they you know, they, they have this image in their mind that they don't, this, this holy, this holy revelation. <laughs> that they they want to do justice to you know they want to you know, to to make it just like that okay and we've seen this happen so many times when they take um, uh, they take theatrical properties like Men in Black or you know the Dresden Files or God help us Firefly and you know and trying to render it as a role playing game you know. Much to the consternation of ninety percent of everybody who loves those properties. Oh, 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 yeah, no, no, you, um, old friend, you just brought up the whole AEG Farscape debacle. Just, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, there you go, and you know, and 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 Stargate, they had their own thing. Yeah, well, they see they just adapted that to the spycraft engine, so at least they did that. Farscape, they just came up with new classes, stats, and just yeah, it it all anything else that came out after after that initial big ass book by AEG, it was all netbook type stuff or stuff that AEG put on their yeah AEG yeah put on their site, like oh for this about. Alderac, yeah. But but yeah, so it just with how that went down. Stargate did a lot better than Farscape for that. Stargate, they actually put out six, seven books, I think. And Farscape just had the one and then some printouts that you could get from AEG site back in the day. So yeah, hit or miss kinda, but no, as soon as you were talking about intellectual properties, it just like that whole farce, it was almost like a physical blow to the face, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one, yeah. But, I mean, you know, everybody involved is so passionate about, well, you didn't do this right, or you didn't do that right. You know, and, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and I feel for the poor game designers who, uh, you know, who, who, who tried their level best, too. I mean, they honestly were trying to create this game system that, rendered you know at least the core of the experience you know and that's and see that's that's the really hard thing because you know a, a universal game system the thing that it has the hardest time doing okay and, and i know jonathan you're really aware of this is tone oh yeah i was oh mm. yeah because mm. that's something i was going to bring up because uh, we're talking about intellectual properties, most recent system that is, has become the the system du jour for intellectual properties has been the Cortex system, which, I mean, you guys know I've played around with a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, we, we talked about it. Yeah. And it's, yes. it's, I don't want to call it a universal system. It's a universal building blocks for a system. You know, every, because I've got. The Cortex Prime rules, and I've got the leverage based off the leverage television show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you look at those two rule sets, and they are very different. The most basic rules are the same as far as how you do, you know, contested rules or skill rules and things like that. Um, but almost everything else is 
again, like a hodgepodge. It's, you know, there are mechanics in the leverage system that they don't even mention in the in the cortex well, space system. Well, yeah, the tone for leverage, it was all. It was, you know, it, heist. It was a well, heist te- television. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Con men trying to outdo other con men to help the little guy. That was the, yeah. In case y'all yeah. don't know what leverage is. Wonderful concept. But it, the it, court- it just Timothy Hutton. And I think the guy who played Hawkman and a uh, black Adam was in it. Aldous Hodge. I think he was in it too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I heard. Yeah. It was either in that or the new reboot. That's out. He's in the reboot. Yeah. But yeah, the, the so, cortex base yeah. system is, is great for giving you, like suggestions about mechanics if you want to approach a tone, but you kind of already have to have your tone in mind. And it's not very good. It sort of, it has a few example campaigns. Say, well, hey, if you want to play, you know, the Thunderbirds, here's a campaign already put together for you that you can, you know, look at for inspiration. If you want to play something a little bit more dark and war, here's, you know, a game for that. But it's, Campaign models is what they would call it. Yeah, just yeah. very thin outlines. Yeah. But again, the big thing is like when I was putting together a, a you know a, a rule set for Bureau 13, there was, you know, I'm having to cludge together my own things. Like, okay, well, what do I think fits Bureau 13 as, as I play it, as I see it played? You know, do I have stats? Do I have classes? Or do I have skills? Or do I have trainings and... Yeah, and what happens when the rubber meets the road? Okay, D and D was supposed to be hot, you know. Was you know was even though it could do low fantasy, it was supposed to be high fantasy. It was supposed to be sweeping sagas like you know a a a, a Weta combat, you know, with the the battle of the five armies, just charging and crashing into each other and and being part of that whole thing. Okay, and it's like okay, roll initiative. All right, you go. Okay, now you go. Wake up. You go. Okay, and some you got to wait for people to roll for success. You gotta, now we're going to roll for the damage. And all of the excitement and whatever just, just gets drained out like somebody is, is, is taking a 5,000-volt charge and just running it to ground. <laughs> just, just gone. Well, yeah, it, it's the whole thing of you can do five hours of traveling in 30 seconds, but to run a five-minute battle, it takes five hours. Yeah, that's that old max. And, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why, you know, a, uh, a lot of people resist the idea of a universal system with with unified mechanics because they said, and, and, and other people come around, they say, why can't me attacking somebody be a simple D20 dice roll? I mean, as in, like, I roll the die, and depending upon how well I roll compared to whatever his defense is, that determines how much damage I do, that determines any special effects, you know, things like that. You know, instead of having to do this constant uh, multiple rolls and things like that, and everybody bogged down, everybody basically rolls, the idea is this, everybody just rolls their dice together on the table one time, the GM looks out and says, okay, this is what just happened. And that doesn't happen. Okay, that's because, first of all, people are like, I want to make sure that my character's awesomeness gets represented. So therefore, I need spotlight time. Right. Yeah. So, and Damn. and everybody else needs spotlight time. So of course that one, that six second period is now six minutes long because everybody's talking about what their awesome yeah. character is doing. So it's it's a problem in that sense because you your universal system doesn't you know isn't going to support the tone whether it's whether it's high excitement of combat whether uh, whether it's uh, the the chilling dread of uh being surrounded by undead and um and not knowing whether you're going to survive you know uh, uh, we talked with peter about this when we when we said you know uh, a flood is is more like a chase because the flood is chasing the players and yep. if it gets in if it gets in ahead of them then they're cut off and, you know, he's basically using the rules to try to create that sense of 
all of a sudden, you know, fire has erupted in front of you or water suddenly bursts through a wall and blocks your path and things like that because, you know, and using that using that system that's in Savage Worlds. All right, you know, yeah. and that, you know, because that system is not in D&D. You, you know, unless the GM just arbitrarily decides to do something, you can't do that. It's nothing, I mean, nothing in the system allows you to do that. Okay, and, and it's and that's why I'm saying is that one of the hardest things for any system to do is to support the tone and the gestalt of what you're trying to go for, which is one reason why people create separate systems, things that will support those kind of things. That's why some systems, for example, they have bennies so that if your dice roll doesn't represent what you think should have happened, you get to re-roll. Or it adds a bonus to your roll to help you get toward that goal, like the hero points and the mythic surges for Pathfinder and Pathfinder Mythic Adventures. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a there's another system. That I, I think it uh, 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 starts with a Q. Um, uh, some, something with a Q. But anyways... You had yum yums, okay, which are basically pieces of candy, and then you know, and if you wanted to, you could just basically grab up your pile of yum yums that you hadn't eaten, <laughs> and you just shove it the GM, and you say, "My character does this awesome thing," and the GM goes, "Yeah, I guess you did," because <laughs> you're you're basically doing that. You're you're, you're forcing, you know. Uh, and the drama deck that uh, Steve Wallace produced has cards in there like that you basically change the narrative, you know, and say this is what's happening because my card says it, damn it, <laughs> and the GM has to go with it. And, it's, and it's, it is a, it's basically something that was added to any any game, but it be, it allows you to sometimes jump beyond what the game system is allowed to do. Because you know, because it's trying to be universal, as in using the same metric everywhere and working everything. But there's times when you want to do something that's an exception, okay? Which brings us to the to one other version of the game system, which is probably one of the most popular ones right now, but nobody realizes it, and that is that it's the it's the card systems that have where you have a very very simple mechanic and then everybody has cards and the cards create exceptions and the the game system is there's two, there's three game systems in particular about this one is magic one is uh, pokemon cuz it basically uses the same system as far as i know and munchkin where you have cards that basically say, "Oh, this this is something else totally happens." You know, uh, er, the monster just vanishes, <laughs> uh, or I turn around and run away, and I've got this card that lets me do it. Yeah, that it, it, it's I've had plenty of experience with Munchkin because of Goth Bunny, uh, Pixie's right. But the the rule system is very straight is very simple. You know, it's literally you 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 basically you know kick in the door. You flip over a card, there's a monster, he's got a certain challenge level. You look at your, your your weapons and other types of things and say, can I beat it? No. Hey, buddy. He says, if you add your points to my points. We can beat him and we split the treasure. Yeah. Real quick, it was me and the second wife and Shannon Trish, as in Team Cavalier from Bureau 13 D20. We're playing Munchkin. And of course, Tina and I knew, yeah, you'd stab each other back you will throw each other under the bus these two young lovebirds oh honey let me help you no no let me help you and tina just looks at them and says oh just effing backstab each other already because they know it's coming oh yeah 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 no it just no munchkin i i should play it more and i know if i can just get colleen get some time you know she'd of course royally spank me in that game because she is the self self-abdicated former munchkin queen of toledo they had to you know the blank cards you get they had to write a card that just says colleen loses she's that good at it and it's frightening because i played her out of three games 
soundly spanked the first game, barely beat her the second game, lost by a few points the third game. So, no, Munchkin, I would say out of the three that you mentioned, it's the easiest to start. It has the base system where you can play it, where, you know, Magic and Pokemon, come on. That's a financial investment just going in. If you want to get in the door, you're having to Munchkin, you can buy the original expansion, maybe one, and you're good. You Magic and Pokemon, I've seen those collections from my friends, and wow. it's... It, I would it, say you, you can get started in Magic for cheap. You just don't expect to uh, be able to play... Yeah, you're not going to be able to win. And then, that's what I there, mean. Thing like that. Yeah. yeah. There, there's, there's a whole. Um, as a matter of fact, a great thing to 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 watch to basically just get the whole magic thing laid out is one of the gamer movies. I think it's the third one, The Hand of Fate, where it's all about them trying to play this this uh, card game, basically. And 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 the results of the card game in the big tournaments causes the game itself to change the narrative that's surrounding the game to change, and the next set of cards that are going to be coming out from the company are all going to be based upon the results of these particular tournaments. Oh, making fun of Legend of the Five Rings. Okay, yeah. Well, but the point is that it's a great it's a great movie for basically seeing that. Yeah. I mean, ever you know, I, I I really can't say enough good things about um, uh, you know, uh, or is it Orpheus Rising or whatever Orpheus the entertainment. people entertainment who put out these movies, uh, they they get it, they totally get it, and they're funny and they're and and the acting of the actors, some of which have been in every movie, has only gotten better. You know, and they've actually brought in real professional actors. I think Peter Dinklage is in those. I remember the roommate was watching, I think, the first and the second one. I do remember Dinklage was in at least those two. I don't remember Dinklage being in any of them. I thought he was. Just okay. No, I don't think so. You know, now there's there's a whole other movie that he's in. <laughs> That's an awesome movie too, but it's not part of the gamer movies. But anyways, it's a, the point is, yeah. is that so one of the one of the new universal systems that kind of came out was the exception system, where you have a very simple base mechanic, okay, and that something like a, a deck of cards or some or or something else like that are, are given to the players to allow them to create exceptions. I mean, one of the one of the cards in in uh, Steve Wallace. Uh, deck is is that it, it's called Russian Roulette, which you roll a d6, and if you roll one, you die. If you roll a six, your opponent dies. Wow! Just flat out, boom! They go. He goes. Oh, okay. just flat out. So you're up against the big bad ancient smog dragon. He just basically chokes on his chokes on his own fireball and just blows himself out from the inside. Yeah, because that's the point of those cards is to go and create exceptions. Uh, they might try to keep them within the same realm of power. Sometimes they don't care. Sometimes they just really want to go just totally over the top, you know. And um, uh, and, and I've done that, you know. Um, uh, uh, fate was the system I was trying to think about earlier, okay, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Where essentially you create a concept <laughs> for your character, and then every time you want to do something that you know is pushing it, the GM says, "Well, you could do that," and then he pushes, you know, um, chips over to you, meaning that I'm going to mess with you now because I let you do this, and you're agreeing by taking my chips. So yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Again, this is like the thing that Jonathan told us about where the complications or whatever. It's like, yeah, you can do this or this happens, which means it's going to bite you in the butt later. Yeah, I remember. When yeah, Jonathan, yeah, 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 yeah. That that net that meta narrative mechanic. Yeah. And, and those are and those are uh, clearly, you know, attempts at creating a universal system where you say, look, you know, depending upon the game you're playing, we create another set of cards or another set of of complications or advantages. You know, it's still using the same basic mechanic. It's universal. Yeah, my 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 favorite for that was in the Trinity Universe games. Uh, the D20 versions, the Adventure, which is the pulp game, Aberrant, which is the superhero, 
and Trinity, which is the you know 22nd century, all the characters have a potential for Psy. They have these inspiration points and dramatic editing. Now, you could sit there and say, I want to spend an inspiration point. I'm locked in this room. All I have is a chair and there's this chest. Spend a dramatic editing point and you can get, because you don't know what's in that chest, we have not said it out loud what is in that chest. Spend a dramatic editing, you know, inspiration point for dramatic editing, or spend two if you really want something good and what you need happens to be in that chest. Something like that, where you are just vastly changing the narrative in your favor with a form, with a, a stat that denotes some type of currency that you spend and may get back when you level. So, yeah, same kind of thing. That it just reminded me of that. Yeah, which is, I think, tremendously better than uh, uh, the uh, D&D uh, inspiration points, which basically just gets you to re-roll a die. And I'm like, you know, dude, that... It, before you know what they did was they they gave you things like that in some of the in like the Pathfinder game the or not Pathfinder um, it was one of the earlier D and D things where they had a um, the Living City or whatever and you you had these points and you you could roll the dice and add it to your roll you know you, you had to dec declare before you made your roll and so yeah it's like the hero points in Pathfinder out of the Advanced Players Guide yeah or action points. Yeah, but I mean, it didn't make that much difference. Is my point. My point is, is that you know, you you know, we, don't give me something that doesn't isn't going to be a game changer. Not, you know, I mean, good or bad, it's got to be a, ba a a big game changer. Not like, well, let's see, I rolled a five, you know, and I've got a plus three, so now I got an eight. And I'm trying to hit a fifteen. It doesn't matter if I roll a d a six on this stupid die or not. I'm still nowhere near. See, that's that's not what you want. You know, you. Yeah, if you're having to add, well, if it's a static value like Pathfinder, it's okay. If you declare it before the dice is rolled, you get a plus eight. But if you declare to use the hero point after roll, but before success or failure is determined, you get a plus four. Like if you roll a 15 and you're trying to hit a 20, yeah, you should have spent that hero point beforehand because you're only going to get a 19 if the DC is 20. Yeah, well, every every everybody who's already memorized the monster manual has an advantage there, <laughs> and any, anybody who's new hasn't a clue is like, oh. so yeah. With um d with a d twenty modern, they add action points, which allowed you to roll a d six and add it. That's exactly what I'm talking about: is action points. It's just it's just too weak. It's just that's not why enough. I like things like yeah. the dramatic editing. Yeah, you're going to spend two or three of these points. But then you'll have, because it has not been stated in game, you know, what, what the, the, the cat in the box. Um, Shortinger's cat. Yeah. Is it in there or isn't it in there? Is it alive or is it dead? We haven't said. You haven't opened it up yet. That was that dramatic editing thing I brought up from, I think it's especially an adventure, the pulp version of the three games. I don't know if they have it in the other two. You could use it because it's all the same setting. But yeah, it just, I do like that. If you're going to give me something that's going to really warp the narrative, it better really warp the narrative. If it's just going to be a little boost where you might make it. Yeah, because the whole point of this role-playing game is we are trying to enact the lives of larger-than-life characters who do amazing. We are not the hum, and nothing against those who you have the normal 9-to-5 job. We are not belittling you at all. But you are not one of the, and what is the old term Bobby the Brain Heenan used, garden-variety humanoids. I don't know. I, I you, you are... Exceptional I would, in the world that you were in, and that is the whole reason why you have an adventure that you're going to participate in. I, I <clears throat> probably wouldn't have an issue playing a garden variety Joe Schmo in a the larger than life situation, like a disaster situation. Extraordinary, zombie, yeah, extraordinary circumstance, kind of normal person. Yeah, oh no, I, have, I, I yeah. would, I would have fun with that. But for the most part, yeah, I agree. It's, it's about larger than life characters. Well, yeah, it, right, yeah. Well, then, then you need to play first edition um, AD and D guys, because you know, unless you like cheated with your dice rolls. Okay, almost nobody got bonuses uh, from their die rolls. I mean, with their with their stats. Okay, you know they they had 
you know, they were somewhere between 8 and 15, you know, which is usually before you get any of the real bonuses, okay? And you you just as, you were normal people in a, in a world full of monsters and magic, okay? And you were just regular folk, and as you went up levels, yes, you became more awesome, you became heroes and things like that, okay? But you started off, you know... And even the mage, he had like one spell he could cast a day. Right? Just like that was it. It was nobody, you know, uh, nobody was was super awesome at first level, you know, which caused a lot of people to either create new dice rolling methods to pump those scores up, or they said, let's just start everybody at fourth level when they're more awesome. Well, no, I, I do that now. I don't think I've started a campaign at first level in years because I'm along the lines of when I, when I, whatever campaign I start, I want you to have a little bit of background. I don't want you to be the 16 year old kid fresh out of the farm or the 16 year old person who is an apprentice wizard and has his spell book with the one spell, the cantrip. I want you to have a little bit of life experience. You might be 25, 30, 35. And you've had, you know, you've been to school, you have an education, you've done, and then the weird stuff happens. I like that. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.